Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Hi, welcome to the Future of Esports Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa, and today I have with me Justin Stevanovich, the VP of Partnerships at Misfit Gaming Group. Hi, Justin. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. So Misfit Gaming Group, you guys have the Misfits, the Mayhem, and the Mutineers, three franchised leagues all underneath one umbrella. Explain to me a little bit about the three different properties and your role as VP of partnerships with that overall umbrella. Yeah, so the three different properties, the Team Misfits or Misfits Gaming is our franchise team in the LEC or the franchise league for League of Legends in Europe. And then the Florida Mayhem and Florida Mutineers are the Florida franchise spots in the Blizzard and Activision Leagues, Overwatch League, and Call of Duty League. So encompassing all three, right, there are three franchise leagues that we have spots in. And then we have players that play in, in other games and stuff like Fortnite and stuff like that. So, And my role really is to just help find partners who want to reach our audience, reach our fans, you know, connecting with brands and marketers who are looking to try to get into esports and you know, connect with our fan base. That's awesome. How do you balance those sales and marketing efforts when you have three franchise teams and then a number of players, you know, ancillary across across your organization? It's very busy always. So, but we have a great team. I mean, we have our content marketing team, our social team, like all of them do an amazing job laying everything out across a lot of the influencers and players' socials as well. And yeah, it, it's 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 not so much hard to juggle versus it's just it's just always there's always something going on. So which is fun. I mean, it, it, it there's not a lot of downtime, which is which is I'd prefer that than the alternative. So that's awesome. Are you when you're working with say there's a a brand new non endemic brand that you're having conversations with when you're talking about potential partnerships that make sense for them is your focus from you know an overall organization plugging them into maybe all of the things you have going or are you really taking an approach that puts them into one specific category how or is there a combination like how, how does that kind of come to fruition when you're having those conversations with brands sure. about it? well I so the, all three franchise leagues, or mostly two of them, have a lot of, there's a lot of rules and sort of partners we can't touch. And those, those rules have been relaxed for this year with, with the start of, of Call of Duty League and COVID and stuff. So, but ultimately, it comes down to a lot of brands. Like some brands want to be in certain games or, you know, they might not want to be in a real, realistic person shooter like Call of Duty. So, you know, so we we give we provide the options or basically just give them the information across all the leagues and teams. 
you know, and there's also, we have a team that plays in a European league predominantly, you know, set in Europe, even though viewership globally is really good, you know, from a fan base perspective, some brands might say like, well, you know, really want to touch that audience or we have a brand that, you know, find our finance partner can't actually operate in Europe. There's like all sorts of, you know, laws and taxes and stuff. So it's like, we have to be careful on where we kind of put those ads and things like that. So I think it just, every partner and brand's different. Some partners want to be across everything and would try to be encompassing. And some brands need to be very specific to what, uh, you know, game or maybe there's a demographic they're trying to reach. Like our Milk It partner reaches a much younger audience. So we tap into Fortnite versus some of the other leagues. So things like that. I think it's different across the board. How do you, how do you keep it all straight? (laughs) A lot of Google Sheets. (laughs) Do we have? No. So like I said, the team's great. Our, our partnerships team's awesome. My account manager's amazing. Shout out to Herb May for, for suggesting we hire Annie. So no, it's, you know, it's a lot of work. Like I said, our team's great. Like everybody's on top of everything. So it makes it, you know, I don't say easy. It's still a lot of work, but it's definitely more organized than it seems. So. Mm-hmm. And how large is your team? So our sales team ourselves, we have four sellers, our account manager, and then our content and marketing team, you know, it's another eight people. And then our social team, we have five, four people that work on socials. We have several content creators, all that sort of stuff. So and we have, we have a good mix. I mean, it's more so we're probably the smallest team in terms of working across all the brands. And then we have enough people to cover all the different content and deliverables and everything across all the other all the other teams. So. And are you overseeing the integrated marketing and sales efforts or are you just solely focused on sales? Mostly just sales. I mean, they, we, they have to work hand in hand. Like we have to know what's going on from a marketing perspective and, and things that are coming up for the leagues. And, we, you know, we work pretty closely. The sales team works pretty closely with, you know, the, the biz dev calls for the leagues to know what initiatives they have going on, how do we tap into those. So we work pretty closely with the franchise side, like the Activision, Blizzard, of what's going on in those leagues quite a bit. And then on our team, yeah, we all talk all the time pretty much. So we have a good idea on what's going on always. So, you know, it's hard to do sales if we don't know what's going on. So everyone's on the same page. Right. From, from a sales strategy, I mean, you guys have had really great success. I think you, you know, you mentioned your financial sponsor, SoFi. How are you reaching the non-endemic brands and telling your story? Where have you found marked success? And how, how are um, those conversations really getting started with those non-endemics? I think non-endemics are becoming more and more open to hearing and learning about esports. So you know, it might have been a, lo- a little bit more of us knocking on the door and being like, hey, we really want to share this with you. And now it's more like, hey, we need to be learning about esports. Mm-hmm. So uh, those those initial conversations have become a lot easier to get. Um, I would say, you know, painting a picture for them, I think we have a really great makeup of our team. All, all We, we kind of all work together as a sales team. I myself am in our headquarters in Boca. Ligan, who's our SVP, is in Los Angeles. And then we have two people in the, in Europe, Boss and Matt. And they have a, all different backgrounds. So I think that makes it really great to paint a picture for a brand 
You have like myself, who's been in gaming for 10 years prior to esports. You know, Voss has worked at Face It, head of partnerships for them for a long time. And then Lagan comes from a traditional sports and media background. So she's real familiar with what non-endemics have been buying sports partnerships for a while. And then Matt's background is on the uh, biz dev and data side for IMG. So he, you know, the four of us, I think, make a really unique team and what different aspects we can provide clients. So I think it's been, you know, pretty good laying out what, you know, knowing how to talk to gamers is like my specialty, whereas Lagan knows how to talk to big brands that, you know, want to see how their partnerships work and things like that. So it's a good mix. Right. I, I love that the history of, of your team working together has already been fragmented. I would imagine that has been probably a plus in in regards to how you've been able to, you know, pivot and and move forward in, in this weird world that we're living in right now after after mm-hmm. COVID hit. What what have been some challenges as a team? Obviously live events going away. What what have those challenges been for you organizationally on the sales side since this COVID nineteen has hit? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of teams still do a lot of live events, even though the world of esports is centered around you know something they can play remotely and digitally. The world of spectating is still getting people together and watching it somewhere. So that that's what you know why our business is successful is we have a fan base who wants to watch these people compete. And you know that's no different than any other sport. We would you know have watch parties at bars and meetups and team meets and signings and you know big tournaments and stuff like that that we compete in that all went away pretty quickly. So it's been a lot of kind of replanning, you know, pivoting, figuring out what we can provide our partners in the form of a make good or or just changing their package so they're getting the value out of what they were going to have before. So that's been, it's not necessarily hard. It's just, it, it, it's just the hand we were dealt and we have to figure it out. Fortunately for us, we've had, you know, our partners have been really great talking with us and, and, you know, looking at things that they're interested in and, and how we can help. And so far, I think we've managed to do a pretty good job of, of making sure everyone stays whole uh, from the partnership side. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. <laughs> so you guys did the wrecked Royale tournament mm-hmm. uh, that was that a way for you guys to do some make goods with some of the you know existing yeah. partnerships that would have been live events and I would imagine that your sponsors were excited about about this tournament I'd love to hear a little bit about I know you worked with eFuse and eSports engine both phenomenal teams I, I know those guys really well how did that, first of all, come to fruition? Who initiated those conversations and the ideas, whether it was internally or if it came from the other side? And how quickly were you able to turn that around, bring your brand sponsors kind of up to speed and create all that buy-in? So, so we had a eSports Engine was our contracted event, kind of lack of a better term, contractor you know, for our big home series and home stands for our two franchise leagues for Call of Duty and Overwatch League. So pivoting with them was, you know, something 
uh, you know, made sense. We were trying to, we know they put on great events and, and have a broadcast component that they can do virtually. So we liked that aspect. E-Fuse, actually, we uh, met uh, Matt and PK at your event back in, in Minnesota. And we've stayed in touch. And I saw that they did their a very similar event literally right before ours, a couple weeks before. And I was like, hey, I'd love to, you know, I, I, I came PK, I'd love to just see what you guys learned and did and, and if we could build off of that. And then it turned into, you know, Matt and PK were like, let's just work together on it. Like, we're happy to help out. And I was like, yeah, like, what do you guys want? Like, happy to see what we can make this work. They're like, dude, we'll just help out. We'd love to work with you guys. So they're great. Esports Engine's great. They, you know, we, we uh, putting together a huge event like that, um, like our home series is a lot of work and kudos to them for dealing with us always being late with deliverables and, and changing stuff on the fly with them. So, you know, uh, thankfully we have a great, uh, had a great team to, to put all that together we always knew we wanted to do something regardless of, of COVID. And once COVID hit, we're like, all right, let's use this as an opportunity to make good or offset some of the lost kind of eyeballs we were going to have from our home series events. The charity component was something that we just thought was important right now. Misfits has always done a lot of charitable work. One of our main partners is Gift of Life, you know, bone marrow industry and, and fights lymphoma and leukemia and stuff. So we were, we were happy to do something on the charity side. I think a lot of brands are right now, too, knowing that there's just a lot of people that are less fortunate. And if there's a way we can all help out, that's that's a plus. So we kind of already had everything ideated. It was just bringing it to life. And once we worked with eFuse and, and we uh, tapping into our own network of getting some celebrities and athletes to participate, once we had a lot of those locked in, we're like, all right, let's... Let's just start putting this all together. And then we showed it to Sofa, like, hey, we want to make this up to you guys who are a huge partner of ours for all of our home series, you know, and, and they were like, look, they were all on board, you know, no hesitation, like, great, let's do it. Look, this is awesome. So, so yeah, it was, it was a really good come together really quick, something we knew we wanted to do, but bringing it all together uh, happened quickly. Thankfully for everyone involved was super on board. So didn't take up much convincing. And uh, was it successful, the event overall? I'd say, I mean, we already had the, the, the amount of kind of winnings already planned for the, for the charitable, charitable donation side. We, got, we did a great job getting streamers. One thing that's, you know, it's great having athletes and celebrities involved. They're going to get your press and marketing out there. But from watching stuff on Twitch, like nothing beats like people who are Twitch streamers who are popular. They're like their whole audience is on Twitch. So I think we did a great job of getting and all these people donated their time. So, you know, all the money we spent went to very little cost on our hand, just literally producing the tournament and everything else was donations for charity. You know, we raised some extra money, too, which was great. But it, it really was, you know, getting I think working with. Fuse and their network and my network and we have some great people internally you know uh, our gm of the mutineers is tom ryan <clears throat> for those who don't know ogre two arguably one of the best console players of all time so he has a great rolodex of people that are willing to kind of give him give him a second and, and listen to what he has to say and thankfully we got a lot of good streamers to participate and i, I think it was successful you know, for our first one, I definitely think there's some some learnings we can take and, and do better. But I think I think it went over well. 
Is it something you're considering turning into a series or over the summer? So, yeah, we actually already do a broadcasted amateur tournament for Call of Duty 5v5. We've done two of those. We'll be announcing some more for you know, throughout the, the next couple of months. And those have been getting better and bigger and bigger and better. Like the first one we had had a CCV of like 100 something people. And the next one had a CCV of like 400. And then hopefully it just builds on that. We had some pretty big name players in the second one compete with their tier two orgs or ex pros came and played. And we're, we're expecting much bigger things. The, the, the group we use for that is a small company out of Florida called after dark esports, but they've been in the COD scene for years and they, they put on an amazing event. So we already kind of knew we wanted to do that or do something as a series. We'll probably do some bigger tournament events. You know, we've, we've talked to some brands who saw the news on that, who, who were interested, like, hey, this seems really cool. You know, what did you do? And, and they're interested in it. So I think there'll be some brands that want to that want to do more. Tricky part is, you know, these costs, there's, there's not a zero cost to these, so they cost money. So with right now a lot of brands are their their marketing plans are just kind of up in the air Mm -hmm. so once those kind of settle we'll really see which brands want to take a stab at this and and do some more of them great and do you work directly with your brand partners on ideation of of the activation are they leading that are you leading that Kind of both. Like I think when it comes to speaking to the esports community and gamers, you really have to understand kind of like how they think and what they want to see and when they want to see it. So I think that's important. But obviously with brands, you know, they they want to we want to make sure that our our message is on brand for them. So it's a lot of collaboration. You know, we'll never just be like, here's what we're doing, slap your logo on it. It's it's it really is like let's talk and see what are some of the best pieces of content. You know, shout out to our content team. They do an amazing job. Our president of brand and media, she, you know, these amazing storyboards for our partners to really see what's going on. And and it makes it easy for them to understand and collaborate and say how their products or messages can tie into what we have because everything's laid out really well. Right. Yeah, I would imagine you're trying to figure out ways to integrate some type of a call to action measurable results for them. How are you tracking those, what the KPIs, the key performance indicators for your clients and and reporting it back? Do you have a a team that's just focused and dedicated on that? So we do have operations team that, that tracks, also our social team tracks a lot of that stuff. And we use a lot. I think that's something that is always i don't want to say when we talk to brands about it, that they're they're always kind of shocked when you know from an esports perspective i think a lot of them initially think this is all just like like oh throw whatever out there and, and get some numbers back but you know we're we, we have a contract with nielsen we use blink fire for you know we have a big deal with sidekick AI reporting and and technology tools that allow us to to track and really see what's going on brands and how it's all tapping into what we're doing. And we do give a monthly report to all of our partners that shows, you know, all the stuff that we put out there for them. We're tracking impressions, engagements, certain certain aspects of KPI amateur 5v5 is 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 presented by Scuff. So we show them 
how many CCVs and, and unique viewers we hit and stuff like that. So, but yeah, every month our team puts everything together for us in a nice report. So we send it off to our partners. That's great. That's phenomenal. I love that you're mentioning a lot of platforms and tech that you're integrating on, on the sales and reporting side in regards to analytics. What are some of the emerging technologies that, that you're seeing on community and fan engagement? Are there any of those that you guys are playing around with that you think will maybe grow your audience and even increase value for future partners? Yeah, we're talking to some partners who we, that we can tap into, let's say, you know, like I always say, you don't know what's going to really come next. Several years ago, companies like Streamlabs and you know things like OBS didn't exist. And now there's a whole community and, and need for that sort of stuff on Twitch and other live streaming platforms. And then now off of that, you're seeing companies that build extensions into Twitch that are really awesome. So we've talked to a couple companies there like what can we what else can we bring from an engagement standpoint to our audiences on the platforms we use so we're looking at things like that we're looking at some stuff from a influencer management tool that i think is pretty cool we're having our ops team look into it where we can pretty much put in a list of deliverables and it auto kind of approves or checks when stuff's done so when our influencers have deliverables they have to do we can kind of for a specific campaign we can build that out in there we can we're using we have a great partnership with soft giving like that that whole industry automated or or more back-end donations through stream is now made much easier with companies like soft giving and tiltify and things like that so yeah we're looking into all sorts of different stuff we'll have some some cool things coming up i think you know, and, and also, like I talked with uh, Shot Call and Shark, I think that's a really cool platform to looking at how you can create unique events for your fans to really get a firsthand experience with your players. So things like that. I think the but there's there'll be a lot more stuff I don't even know of that'll come out um, soon. I'm sure. <laughs> right. You mentioned um, tracking the the influencer side and all of the granular things that are that are promised on that end. Are you finding that a lot of your brands are connecting with specific players on your rosters or streamers that you work with? And I mean, I come from traditional sports, so working within the NBA, it was a a huge benefit to be able to bring, you know, like a Ricky Rubio personality into brand conversations. It was a big win. Are you seeing that within the esports industry or brands not very familiar yet with some of the top players? Um, well, I think players in leagues are a little bit different because they're not, not all of them are necessarily influencers. I mean, they're very good at a game and they don't necessarily think about their brand outside of a competitive landscape. So it's something we try to work on with our players more. So brands don't know those people. We do try to create natural synergies. So like with, with SoFi being you know, a financial platform and an app and things like that, we naturally have some players who are very interested in investing and they're, they're really good with their money compared to some other players. So, you know, we'll, we'll say like, Hey, like check this app out. We have a few of them playing around with it, what they look for in the app they've been doing on it. So I think you'll find natural fits within your your org and within your player base of people that can resonate and and kind of really buy into the message that the sponsor is trying to push out. 
So I think you just have to talk with your players and your GMs and kind of get a sense on what those guys like and, you know, what they're good at. Like some players are really great at just, you know, talking on camera and some aren't. So I think you just have to figure that out for, for every org different. Um, brands for the most part, I think when it comes to tapping into influencers, they, they obviously know the big ones. Uh, I think we're getting, it's getting better. More and more influencers are understanding their own sort of brand, um, working with, you know, big agent now are looking at esports influencers or just you know streamers that they think can bring value to to their portfolio. So, you know, talking with you know loaded and the CAAs and UTAs and now esports stuff and and um, you know that that provides another platform where brands can learn more about streamers and esports and things. So I think I think they're getting there. Brands are learning more and more about them. And you'll, you're seeing more deals that aren't just with the top top influencers but you know the middle of the packs and, and kind of smaller people too that's great i like that you you hinted at you know player development which i think is really important for for the gamers to understand i think what has made a lot of streamers so successful is really just the, the personality in in working with traditional athletes a lot of times I will remind them that, you know, they're an entertainer, like first and foremost. And I'm hoping that there will be kind of a, a future shift when it comes to gamers that are, you know, competing to to focus a little bit more on that connectivity and the entertainment in their own style and their own personal brands. Um, as, as you see fans engaging from the fan side, I think there's definitely a, a huge amount of of love for specific players on teams when you're when your teams are making roster moves mid-season, like the Mutineers just sent yeah. Preston Holtzman. What's the fan reaction then? And and are are your partners paying attention to those types of moves? Is there ways to leverage that from a sponsorship side? Yeah, I think I, I think pr- more and more sponsors are tapping into what we're doing. I, I've had people in the past say like, you know, what's going on with this player or that player. So I think the more and more brands are aware are keeping, I don't say keeping track, but just, you know, getting some, you know, updates on what's going on in the leagues. I mean, it's, it, it's their investment, their money. So I think it's important for them to know the fan reaction from Preston's move. I think, you know, people are obviously happy for Preston. We're happy for Preston. It was just a situation where we wanted to put him in the best possible scenario. I think Ben, our founder and CEO, does a great job of of listening to the players. And you know, if a player's not happy, they're not going to perform well anyways. And there was just some stuff like you know, he first time he played didn't play with his brother. His brother stayed in Texas with his family. He had to move. It, just a lot of stuff that eventually took its toll on him. And I think it was best uh, for everyone you know, to get him where he was happy. So that was the best case scenario for him. And we were, we were happy we could make it come to fruition. Obviously it, it hurts losing a great player and, and a personality Preston's, I think one of the few pros who understands that he has a brand and that he's an entertainer. So, you know, that, that, that's gonna, you know, make it so we have to find some other personalities or players or people can come up you know, from within the team. But Ultimately, I think the, the end of the day, it's it's esports is a very small community, and and we always I think with Misfits Gaming Group we try to do what's right as, as much as we can. So I think we, we we try to 
make sure that we're doing right by our players and right by with you know what's what what could be the best scenario for everyone. So that was pressed in. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately brands are learning more and more about as esports becomes more popular. I think this whole COVID thing moved that timeline a lot quicker up. So there's more eyeballs on it. But you're right. I think I think more and more players will need to understand that they're an entertain they're in entertainment and they're a brand. Like you yourself as as a platform have a brand about yourself that you can you know find the right fit of sponsors or partners or endorsements that are going to tap into you. And I think I think players need to now. I think they're doing it more, but in any sport, need to take take that like almost like own that narrative for themselves. I think that would that'll help out. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. I think when when the players in in not only in our industry but also in in traditional sports can really understand that it's even small small gestures with fans that help really generate revenue for an organization and small gestures with the corporate partners. But big picture for them, you know, being able to create a relationship, a true relationship with brand partners, a lot of these are C-suite executives within top organizations, allow them to create a certain level of business acumen that they wouldn't otherwise be developing. Having access to that type of of partner can position them long-term even for a future career. And I think that's one area in which, which if players understand early enough will help them be absolutely successful. I mean, it's the magic Johnson effect, right? Like that's literally what made him the mogul that he is today was reaching out to courtside seat ticket holders um, when he played for the Lakers. So are you guys fostering a sense of that? Are how are you, how are you communicating that internally to, to your players and what's their reaction been? You know, I, I do know we have you know, media training and, and sort of like brand training for them. I think some players, it comes more comfortable and natural too. And, you know, others, maybe not so much. I don't know if we're doing a, a good enough job fostering it per se. I don't know. If we I don't know if we necessarily outwardly encourage them. We should. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to always make intros. I think some of our players are more, I had a player the other day reach out to one of our players, reached out to one of our sponsors about he had an idea for something. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I was great to hear that. And the guy was like, Hey, he reached out. It was a, it was a really cool idea. He's something he wants for his own thing. And I was like, yeah, like that's, that's great. Like, you know, I, I think obviously I want to be looped in on those conversations and make sure we're just, everyone's on the same page, but ultimately I think, you know, he's, you know, the right, the right idea behind it is what he had. So, you know, I think we should encourage that behavior. You know, making sure everything, and and also by encouraging it, making sure that they know that it's it's an open dialogue. Like they can come to me or any of our partnerships team, and we'll work for them to try to see what we can come up with and do. So, yeah, I think I think more players are, are getting more comfortable doing it, but it's something we could definitely promote more. Awesome. So. Before we close, one thing I wanted to 
learn a little bit more about and and hoping and maybe you don't even know about or are not as involved but I'm really intrigued by Misfits Gaming Group's incubator. Mm-hmm. You guys are really investing in this next generation of entrepreneurs within the esports and and gaming landscape. I just want to hear about it. I want to know like how was that, you know, kind of started? What's the structure of that? Are you beta testing certain things out internally? Like, what does that program look like? So I'm very hands off from that. That's a, that's a Ben. So the the three main people that are looking at that are Ben, who's our founder CEO, Hillary, who most people never hear about, but Hillary is our chief development officer. So, and then Mitch, who is one of our co-founders with Ben, Mitch and Mitch has a great background with entrepreneurship and, and starting businesses and and Ben really knows the esports landscape and Hillary is great from her background in finance, working on Wall Street and all sorts of investment firms and stuff. So, you know, I think collectively they're 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 just looking for any sort of ideas, businesses where they could see a potential spark that might need some fostering. Like I said, years ago, you know, Streamlabs didn't exist and and stream hatchet and things like that. And now they're bought out for lots of money. So, you know, looking to see what we can help foster in this world of esports that's still pretty young in, in, in the United States and what we can kind of maybe help develop. The idea was to have an incubator where if we invest in that company, we would give them access to our facility, come here for a space to work, work with them for housing, you know, access to our tools and things like that. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's been put on hold with COVID. We've still been looking through, it was kind of like getting almost to a, almost to a culmination. We were ready to like make all these decisions on it from my understanding. And then all this stuff happened. So we kind of hit the pause button, but as soon as we can get people back into spaces face to face, I think um, we'll start picking up, picking back up from where we left off with the incubator. You know, it really came to fruition. This is something that Ben has been looking at for a long time. I think Ben does a great job of, you know, looking at where misfits can help. Like I said, like we always look at where where we can help, and I think we do. I think we do a good job of of really using our our platform and voice for positivity, and that's something that he really was passionate about. And I think it makes sense. We've talked to other orgs, and they all think like it's a great idea. If you can find and back, you know, the next Twitter, you know, why not? Right. So, you know, so yeah, but ultimately we'll see what happens in the next couple of months as things kind of get back online in normalcy. If you will, so. And when the world does kind of come to its new normal competitively for 2021, what's on the horizon for re-engaging some of the, the live competitive events Will fans be um, able to have access to those types of events? Maybe we don't know the answer to that. And then how can you create experiences that really bring in your broader community and do it in a safe way? Have you guys had conversations about that? Yeah. So talking with the leagues, obviously for us, the biggest events that that, that we're a part of are usually part of our league events. So I think leagues are still trying to figure out what they're going to do there. We have talked to the leagues about having a 
I guess, more of a plan now with no one assumed this would ever happen. So it did. At least now we have a, hey, if we have to go full online, here's what that looks like. Here's what's available to our partners. Here's what's available for the teams. So we kind of already have this all worked out now. But for next year, it's how do we build on that where we have this baseline and then we can build upon it from a live event opportunity. I think everyone would like for the events to come back online. We'll see how comfortable everyone is with that. I don't know if it's going to be in smaller venues with smaller groups or, or a location where you have a studio, a fixed studio match like you had a few years ago with Overwatch League or the way League of Legends does it. Those are all things leagues I think are looking at and talking with team owners and just trying to get the best kind of, you know, lack of a better term, the most common yes is they can get the, the you know bet what's best for everyone sort of thing. So we'll see. I think there's a lot of stuff up in the air still when it comes to that. And then for ourselves, I think I think just because we don't have live events doesn't mean we can't do stuff with our fan base. So we've been doing a lot more stuff with our game nights and our watch parties on Discord. Like I said, we're talking to brands like Shot Call, how we can, you know, can we create a, a live experience with fans to get a chance to tap into more of a, of an intimate setting, like one-on-one or a group with a specific player, things like that. So we are looking at ways that we can still deliver a unique experience to our fans um, remotely. Yeah. And we'll keep track of what's going on with the leagues and events for live events. Yeah. And I just read this morning that the live streaming industry grew by 99% year over year from from last year to this, how has your team really leveraged and um, leaned in on on live streaming and the and the ability to use you know a, a multitude of of tools in that regard? Yeah, I think it's just being more proactive. We're seeing a lot of our players stream a lot more than they used to. Also, I think they can't go anywhere either. So it's kind of like, what do we do? Let's just stream. A lot of our players' growth has been astronomical. You know, players like our player Clicks and Ops on our Fortnite team have grown just in leaps and bounds. Same thing with a player we have X. So, you know, it's just been a lot of growth on that side. And I think it's just been them putting themselves out there, understanding they can capitalize on more eyeballs. We, we ourselves have been putting on more live events like the Red Royale and we have our Kraken Bounty Amateur Tournament. That's all live stream. And also looking at different platforms. Like we never really looked to get specific YouTube streamers before, but now we have our first, you know, exclusive YouTube streamer who's on our Overwatch team, Sanvito and Raid. So, you know, it's just looking to see all the different platforms where we can tap into and, and take try to take advantage of, of the eyeballs. That's awesome. I, I love to hear that. It, you know, it, it feels like the future is really bright for, for esports. And I think that the way your organization is built for scalability is what really makes it a standout organization. I just wish you guys just continued success. It's been really fun. I know we met in January at the launch event. It feels like we met a year ago, truly. But it's really exciting. I'm really glad that you were willing to come and share some some insight. I've learned a lot. I hope that our listeners have also learned a lot about the inner workings and some strategies around not only partnerships but but marketing and and really holistically how how all of this can can come together and and become successful for for your organization and really move the needle forward on the 
industry as a whole. So thank you for, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you're right, it does. We've known each other longer than since January, so that's funny. But yeah, I mean, I was happy to come on. I, I always say the more people we can get to lean in and learn about esports, the better. So happy to have people listen in and, and just, you know, hopefully, yeah, learn something. We'll see. So for thanks. sure. So if, if any if any brands are, are tuning in to this um, podcast that are, you know, esports, curious and really interested in learning more about Misfits Gaming and all of the opportunities for them to engage with your organization and the phenomenal audience reach that you have, how do they get in touch with you? You can always shoot me an email. It's pretty easy. It's justin at misfitsgaming.gg. Shoot me an email. I'm pretty responsive. And yeah, hopefully if someone hears something that we can share some some more information and, and see what their interests are. Yeah, happy to always answer questions and, and make connections. So, Perfect. Well, I wish you the best success and we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.